Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture reading is from Matthew 14, 22 through 33, which is page 796 in your pew Bible. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Many of you have been kind to check on me after surgery. Uh, Tomorrow will be two weeks since spinal surgery, and I am doing fine. Thank you for checking. I'm still limited in many ways, but I am grateful Uh, for your prayers, and I'm grateful to be back in this pulpit uh, after being gone last week. Our story today is another occasion where the miracle worker has, has drawn a crowd. Jesus has been in the Galilee region, uh, teaching as one with authority, and healing the lame, and causing the blind to see, and he works miracles, and after a while, if you work miracles, word gets out. And now, he has drawn a big, big crowd, because everybody wants some of that. The lines have formed saying, heal my kid, can you do something about this tennis elbow, all... They just won't help. And so the crowds are not Jesus followers the way we use that phrase, right? They're Jesus followers because word is out that this guy heals the sick. And everybody has someone or something that needs healing. Crippled and blind for sure, but there are also folks who are convinced they're battling a demon. And they want healing as well. Their souls are sick. So the crowds are not disciples. I mean, they haven't agreed to take on the disciplines of faithful living. They're 
people who know they're sick. And that this guy has a reputation for healing the sick. And they press in and they press and they're half mesmerized by the teaching. They are also pressing in because they're reaching in for healing. And with all this reaching and wanting and tugging, and all, it's starting to feel like a kindergarten classroom. Jesus needs a break. He needs a retreat from all this pushing and pressing and all. So he sends the disciples ahead on the Sea of Galilee in the boat. He dismisses and scatters the crowd. And he gets a little time alone. <sighs> Finally. The crowd is scattered. The disciples are on the boat. And he has some quiet time, as the scripture says, he goes up the mountain by himself to pray. I have an aside here, and y'all know that when I do this, these little runs that have nothing to do with the sermon, I, I also don't charge extra for these. They just, they come. But it, it struck me that not everybody who was in line to get healed got healed. There might be a sermon to preach one day about the fact that even Jesus needs time to recharge. For those of us who are wired to go a little too hard, a little too strong, a little too much, I'm really, really important, it might be a good reminder that there were some people turned away because even Jesus, when he walked this earth, had limitations. And renewal is important for all of us. All right, anyway, we'll get back to the sermon. Jesus goes up the mountain by himself to pray. And it's worth noting that this retreat is not a one-off for Jesus, right? Jesus getting away to pray is a theme throughout the Synoptic Gospels. Jesus is always scurrying alone by himself in prayer. This is not an exhaustive list, just a prompt to remind you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, Jesus after the baptism goes up, uh, tempted by Satan. You remember that story. Mark, chapter 1, very early in the morning while it is still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 6 the night before he selects the 12 apostles, he's up all night in prayer. I could go on and on, right? You know that Jesus sliding away for prayer is a regular occurrence over and over. And on this occasion, while Jesus has gone away to pray, the night settles in. It gets dark and dark, and then angry clouds start moving in. The disciples are in a boat when the weather turns hostile. This storm erupts. Wind and waves start crashing against the sides. Things turn on the water from choppy to frightening, then yelling and bailing, and then full-blown terror. They are certain they're going to die. Those who make their living on the sea are 
terrified of it. And who can blame them? The sea is a dangerous place. They've had friends and and, uh, family members who went out fishing and never came back. They've been swallowed up by the evil forces of the sea. There's even a story about a sea monster named Leviathan who comes up from the deep and just takes innocent fishermen, does away with them. They go under, they're never to be seen or heard from again. The sea can bring about destruction and death without warning. And it's not just the stormy weather that's scary. Because the sea is a vast and mysterious deep. And who knows what lives under the dark waters. And for as long as anybody can remember, the sea has been a symbol of chaos and evil. Nobody knows what's under there. In the beginning verses of Genesis, water is described as formless and chaotic. This substance that, that God separates from land has to put boundaries around. In the story of Noah and the flood, the sea is described as the great deep, a place of terrible danger. The sea is the place where evil lives. Well, following a night of storm and bailing and yelling and terror and on into the morning, the storm is still raging. The disciples are still hoisting and bailing. And they look out across the angry waves and the water. They see a figure. And the figure gets closer and closer and closer. And they think it's a ghost. And now they're doubly scared. They're scared of the storm, and now they're scared because they're seeing a ghost. I mean, it is a scene of absolute horror and terror. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus calls out and says, Take heart. Ego a me. Do not be afraid. Take heart. I am. The same words God uses in Exodus to say what God's name is. Tell them, Ego Ami. And then Peter, always Peter. You know that Peter's the kid in class who raises his hand even when he doesn't have the answer, right? (laughs) Peter's the hothead who's going to volunteer, strike out first, ready, shoot, aim. Peter sees Jesus on the water and says, Lord, if it's you, command that I come see you out on the water. And Jesus says, bring it. And Peter starts out, but becomes aware of the storm around him. He starts to sink, and in his terror, he yells out, Lord, save me. Now, in our modern minds... We are fascinated by the miracle, that that defying gravity part, the walking on water. You know, the joke is he knew where all the rocks were, right? 
We're dumbfounded by the not sinking part, but this is not what would have captured the imagination of the biblical mind. The emphasis not to be missed by the earliest audience is not the walking on waves trick, but that somebody walked on, conquered the sea. The mythic chaos, the place where evil lives. In biblical thought, only God could conquer the chaos of the sea. Job 9, who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. Psalm 77, your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters. Isaiah 43, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Only a deity could calm the mighty waters. And Jesus here does what only God can do and speaks in the voice of God declaring, I am. Walking on water isn't a parlor trick. Jesus is declaring his power over all chaos all evil. I don't need a Lord who can walk on water. I do need a Savior who can conquer the chaos. So far in this drama, we've only had two speaking parts. And they make quite the contrast, don't they? We have Jesus in this story saying, take heart, I am, do not be afraid. <laughs> and Peter saying, Lord, save me. Well, the contrast led me to a little bit of biblical spade work. Here, Peter shouts out a prayer to Jesus. Lord, save me. And I started wondering, how many times are the disciples recorded as praying in the Gospels? Now, I mentioned already that we've got lots of stories about Jesus retreating for prayer. But are there any stories of Peter, James, and John saying, we're taking off next week to go to the monastery in Conyers. We just, we need some time for prayer. Is there ever a time where Jesus takes the bread and the wine and he calls on somebody else to ask the blessing? Well, guess what? In the, in the Gospels, the disciples don't do much praying. There is, of course, the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane asking the disciples to stay awake and pray with him through the night. There's no record that they do any praying, just that they fall asleep after he asks. Does this strike you as odd? 
Now, there is, of course, the recognition that there must be something tied to Jesus' unusual capacity and the number of times he gets away alone to pray because we do hear in Luke one of the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And, of course, Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. But we don't actually hear any of them praying it. The one example that I could find, the one place where we actually get to hear one of the disciples give voice to a prayer is in this story when Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And how fitting, because it's probably the most repeated prayer in Christian history. How many different ways and how many different times have we cried out in the middle of a storm, Lord, save me. Who knows? I'm speculating here, but who knows? Would this story have been different if Peter had learned to pray at times other than crisis? What if Peter had seen the model of Jesus retreating over and over for prayer, regular communion with the Father? Now we've noted that in the storm, with everything raging, the one who retreats often for prayer says, Take heart. I am. Don't be afraid. But of course, if you only pray when life is raging, it means you only have one prayer in the arsenal, which is, Lord, save me. The good news is that Jesus hears that prayer too. And Jesus reaches out his hand, catches the terrified Peter and says to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And he helps him back into the boat. And when they, got in, when they all got in the boat, the wind sat still. And those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now there are probably a thousand potential sermons in that 11 verse drama. Now the one you've probably heard because it's been preached so much it has now become a cliche is the one, the sermon that says, Now Peter was doing fine as long as he had his eyes on Jesus. And when he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the waves, that's when he went down. But as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he was doing fine. That's a good sermon. Other preachers have preached sermons on that, that one verse that says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Pretty clever observation that Peter's fear increased when he left the community of others, when he left the other believers and went out to do it on his own, 
and that the storm calmed when he got back into the boat with others. It is a beautiful statement about how much we need each other when the storm is raging. But for me this week, the heartbeat of this story was the disciples' declaration, truly you are the Son of God. The disciples worshipped at the recognition that Jesus walked on water. Jesus conquered evil. Jesus Jesus had the chaos stop. And all the danger that lives underneath, that lurks in the unseen of our lives, Jesus conquered it that day. The story begins with a whole line of people hoping to get close to Jesus so that they can get healed so that their sight will be restored so that their leprosy can be taken care of but Jesus at the end of this story has declared the power to overcome evil to tame the chaos to bring peace in the storm take heart I am Do not be afraid. Well, like many of you, I'm afraid a lot. I'm the unknown lurks out there. Finances, health, relationships, I don't know. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of danger. There's a lot of evil. I sometimes get afraid of what might take me under. I need a Savior. I don't need a Savior who walks on water. I need a Savior who can make the chaos go away. Somebody who's conquered the evil and speaks into my life and says... Do not be afraid. Now, this looks different for all of us. What we fear from the vast deep, the dangerous sea, the threat of the sea monster, it's different for everybody in here. But we share a confidence that the one who said, do not be afraid, is powerful enough to save us again. And that, Lord, save me, is still a prayer that Jesus answers. Thanks be to God. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.